This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we're learning the meaning of the joy of laughter while being hit in the head a whole bunch of times as we watch spine number 118 in the Criterion Collection, Preston Sturgis's Sullivan's Travels from 1941. But first, RJ, mm. how are you doing? I was a lot better 10 minutes ago, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Jared's level of unprofessionalism what? is just unbelievable. L- look, he I'm, calls me, I'm look, this guy calls look, me to do hey, the podcast, hey. and he's like, hey, I'm ready to go. He's like, when are you ready? I was like, I'm ready now, man. I'm always ready for the podcast, anytime you need, pal, anytime, friend. And he calls me, and then he puts me on hold, you guys, Look for like 15, the min- 12 minutes and 8 seconds. That's how long I was on hold for. Look, wheeling and what? dealing, wheeling and dealing is runs on a different time, you know. You mm. got, but you got to strike when the iron's hot. That's not what you say when I make deals. Yeah, well, I'm different. I'm special. Uh, like ha ha special or oh no special. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm pretty disappointed, Jared. Okay. Because clearly it's affecting your performance. You're distracted. You're distraught. <laughs> and uh, frankly, I don't think you want to do this anymore. Uh, well, that's Should neither, I call the weekend guy? That That's neither here nor there. Oh, uh, well. No, these, these podcasts, they don't exactly pay the bills. They could. They could. They could pay my bills mm-hmm. if, you, if you hit me with a slice of that pie. Right. We get like eight bucks a month, don't we? Um, yeah, yeah, it, it breaks even, RJ, it breaks even, but that's, that's, uh, behind the curtain crap. Who cares? Oh. We're here for fun. Am I right? I, I, I always thought we were, but after this, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anymore. Oh man. Are we going to have the, are we going to have to have the talk or something? We might, we oh, might, man. I don't know. This could be the end of things oh, forever. Man, I always knew having a co-host would be a pain in the ass. You know, we'll see how these things go. All right. Well, you, have your, you, you crack what? open, you crack open that beer. You have another drink, and uh, you tell Frankly, me. How, I'm how, disappointed. How, how's your week been, RJ? You know what? It was all right. It was fine. Yeah. I went to a wedding this weekend. Oh. It rained a lot. Weddings. You know how many weddings we have this fucking summer? Too many. Six. You well, know how many of them are out of town? Three. Well, it would have been seven, and that one would have been out of town too, but the one we had this weekend was during the same day as one of the other ones. Now, clarify this again for me. Uh, of those six weddings, are those for six different couples, or is that uh, part of the, the package deal of uh, four couples who decided to have double weddings? Uh, there are six separate couples, Yeah, and two of those couples, my sister and Andy's sister, have both have... Uh, split weddings one couple out of convenience and one couple out of uh luxury i mm-hmm. suppose i would say so right so if you count that it's really eight events we have to attend hmm. it's like every weekend man jesus for the entire summer we have like one weekend i think we're not doing anything that's it so we had a wedding this one was in town it was fine had some cake. That was good. Right. 
What's uh, what's your uh, what's your take on a wedding cake? What kind of cake you expect? Or have you ever been to a wedding? I know you usually just sit at home and <laughs> complain on the internet. Well, I don't get invited to a lot of weddings. Uh, yeah. Because most of the people I know are married or are permanent bachelors types. I'm sure that's what they told you. No, they they are. They're yeah. There's a lot of lonely men in my life. Um. You so, know, you're you're actually the oddity in that group. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I am. I've been well. Uh, I've been in this relationship now for 14 years. Not married. No kids. You're just giving away your with, age with, here with cat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm I'm 15 years old. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, so here I am. It's uh, going pretty smooth. My sister got married last year, and of course now we get all. And my cousin uh, just got married a couple weeks ago at a, at a great ceremony where people got ticks. Because um, <laughs> that's what happens, folks, when you get married out in the fucking middle of nowhere. So nice. So what of course, province like, was that in? Oh, uh, good old Saskatchewan. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, you would get ticks if you went there. Yep. So uh, I missed out on that affair because I was working and it was kind of in the middle sure. of like the work week and in the middle of nowhere. So a lot, a lot of factors going against me there. But it doesn't mean that I don't get to hear all the jokes from the parents. Oh, when are you guys getting married? <laughs> and it's just like, hmm, yeah, no, this is it's just a waste of my time. This is just a waste of my time talking about it. It's not funny. It's just a waste of time. Stop it. They're like, oh, do you, do you know a, how... Get, Getting under your skin, huh? <laughs> we uh we kept track, or I kept track. You know how many people asked uh Andy and I when we were getting married, as she is the o- the younger only sibling of uh her sisters who got married this weekend. Seventeen times, Jared. Oh Jesus, age seventeen times. Uh, we were asked, "When are you guys getting married?" And I, I was always, you know, me and her have been together longer than her sister and her now husband have. So you know what I said? It's none of your fucking business. Why don't you blow it out your ass, you old bastard? Mm-hmm. And I pushed her uh, old family members over. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, I don't know why people get like a kick out of that, like smirk, and they're like, <laughs> did I stir it up for you? And you're like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. It's like, I get it. But like, you know you know what I mean? Not not asking the people who like think it's funny. It's like, when are you getting married? It's like, uh-oh, did I get you in trouble, man? It's like, <laughs> No, <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's right up there with working hard or hardly working. Yeah, how same many, kind of guys. How many times who... did you hear that today, RJ? Uh, not once. We oh. all work. No, you're too busy. We're too busy working to oh. make jokes. I figured guys coming into the old auction house. That's just how they make that yeah. uh, idle chit chat. Talk about there, the weather. There is a lot of guys who do that. Coffee shop guys who yeah. come in just on the sale days. There's like eight retired old guys who do that, but. Uh, um, I'm not part uh, privy to their conversations. I'm working. Yeah, man, I'm man. working. There was one old guy we had to tell to shut up one time. <laughs> one of the auctioneers told him he was going to punch him in the head. Oh, yeah. So this re- that kind of reminds me. So there's this guy today at the comic book store. He was just mm. like standing around, but he was like thinking about stuff he was going to buy. But he was like so apologetic about like standing around and like. As he put it, loitering. He's like, oh, no, sorry, man. I, I'm just like, I'm just waiting for my ride and just like trying to figure out what I'm going to buy. I'm like, oh, that's cool, man. Like, that's what people do all day long. And I mean, you, you're mm-hmm. buying stuff. That's like great. 
I mean, that's what people do. And this guy just kept, kept spending money and but was very apologetic about being in the mm. store to buy things. And I was like, no, you're good. It's the people who just are there and they talk at you no matter what mm-hmm. you're doing. If you're on the phone, if you're talking to somebody <laughs> else and they just talk at you. Th- those are bad people and I don't like them. But mm-hmm. hey, you can stand around and just look at stuff all day long and if you're spending money, even better. Yeah, we don't get a lot of those, man. No, that's good. We don't get a lot of those. We get a lot of guys who suck. Ah. If you, you know. I don't know. But I won't bore you with that. Okay. Because we got a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Enough of this bullshit. Hey, RJ. What? We got an email. What? From a a friend of the show or is this a new friend? Uh, A a friend of the show. A a, a patron friend. One of our patron saints. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Oliver, aka Olivier Granger. Ooh, nice! I see what you did there, yeah, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, he wrote uh, email just beginning with, "I did it again." And he wrote, "For fuck's sake, I watched the wrong film, and the one I got was pretty bad." So I noticed <laughs> over on Letterboxd, uh, right before mm-hmm. checking uh, the the email, that uh, Oliver had watched uh, "Diary of a Chambermaid." But he watched the Jean Renoir film from 1946, <laughs> and I went, nice. did, "Did he did he do that thing where he watched like the movie with the same title but not the mm-hmm. right movie?" And yeah, yeah, he, he owned up to it real fast. Nice. Uh, and then he re- then he actually wrote uh, some thoughts about last week's film. Attempted mm-hmm. uh, to watch the most recent remake just to uh, look like I was fully into it. Something that probably <laughs> other listeners would expect you to do. So thanks for throwing a little bit of shade our way. <laughs> People do expect you to do that because yeah. you used to do that. I, so. I, I used to do that. Well, we used to do that as the Criterion Creeps podcast, but uh, that that wasn't mm-hmm. in the cards. I actually did uh, obtain a copy of the 1946 version, uh, and then I saw that there was the newer one from like 2015 that's supposed to be not very good um so i just said nah Mm -hmm. i'm good uh but it looks uh, anyway in regards to that newer one but it looks even worse than starring leah sedu i don't know who that is that's uh the blue is the warmest color oh right you mentioned her last week uh i I did yeah i think you must have i think you said something about blue is the warmest color because i went okay no 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 you're having conversations off pod maybe What, what the fuck is this okay she hasn't talked to me she, and me only. She, oh, I don't know who else I would have talked to about this. She okay. isn't that bad, but apparently the only reason why she is in so many movies is she has rich and influential parents or something. Mm, one of those. One of those types. I've never bothered to yeah. look this up, but it's enough to put me off. <laughs> nice. I like that. Um, yeah. Also, I'm sorry that RJ didn't watch the older version that I did. The soldier next door strangles a squirrel. Oh. Um, what? <laughs> Uh, okay. It's a similar film apart from The Dad Doesn't Die, No Children Get Raped. The rapist kills the mm. soldier instead. She falls in love with the younger man of the house. Okay. De- those are some deets. Um, um, as, as Diary of a Chambermaid quickly slips from my mind. And I go, mm-hmm. sounds good. Well, thank you, Oliver. And I'm sorry that you watched the wrong film again. Um, I'm not sure how many times. Well, I guess it'll come up soon because remember, there's two movies called Traffic in the Criterion Collection. Oh, that might happen. Well, uh, I have also almost done this. I actually almost did this with that very same movie. I bet because I asked you right before yeah. I watched it. I was like, "Is there a Renoir version of this, or Renoir, whatever this dude's name is, this mm-hmm. funny man?" Yeah. 
this guy. This guy. This dude. Yeah, I asked you, and then you never responded. So uh, I just I winged it, and I hit mm. the right one. Yep. Without any help from you. Yeah. Pal. Pal. But uh, that sucks, man. Uh, I frequently have to ask Jarrett which movie we're watching. Uh, it's getting my the responses are getting fewer and fewer. <laughs> they as are. Point, as uh, Oliver pointed out, uh, we used to have a good podcast, and uh, you know Jarrett used to put in a lot of effort, and somehow it just went away. You know, and I, this is I, it now. I, you know, I lead you to water, and uh, you know, I, I give you a, like I show you how to fish, and here uh-huh. uh, you're, you're just still starving, and I just go, what can I do? enough of this people are really gonna say that we jumped the shark after that uh, 100th episode mm-hmm. it's all you know well, it's they all... used to really try yeah peak peak creeps we're over that now it's all mm-hmm. it's well i mean now we're gonna really turn into weirdos oh fuck i don't know if i should even tell this story it's fucking oh, it's so weird but since right. this is the creeps so fun fun thing uh mm. at work have a guy come into the store. He's a trucker, uh-huh. and uh, he want he's really into Game of Thrones. We all, okay. we all, we all like Game of Thrones, right? But this guy he likes the merchandise. He likes to he likes to get those like the trading cards. He likes to sure. he likes to get some some statues. Apparently, and he's mm-hmm. wondering what sort of options are available, and starts we start naming off some. Oh, there's Arya Stark. And he's like, oh, he's like. Is there a Sansa Stark? And I'm like, uh, not yet. They haven't made one yet. Oh, and then uh, when I asked him, like, oh, oh, you just like you, oh, those are your favorite characters? Oh yeah, they're real hot. <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. As one of them's definitely a child. Mm, yeah, one is for yeah, sure. One definitely, uh, and, and one was and one was like not that old when she started. I mean, they're all mm-hmm. adults at this point, I suppose, young adults. But yeah, mm. that that was weird. Um, <laughs> and it's I guess, pretty creepy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's pretty creepy, man. I don't know why you choose to fill our podcast with the uh, like uh, desires of pedophilia and such and such. Hey, but... hey, I didn't say that. I just. Just saying things, you know. Implied <laughs> is still implied, if you know what you, I well, mean. Well, you you infer, I imply. Mm. You inferred <laughs> from my my implications. I don't know. Anyways, hey RJ, what what you been creeping on? Well, I tried my best this week. God damn it! Yeah, did you watch Trying anything to hold it together. with adolescent girls? Yeah, I did, and you know what it was? It was a JFD recommendation. Yeah, Jarrett Francois Duncan, uh, unsolicited, gave me this anime. Uh, I might add, mm-hmm. unsolicited. Uh, I so I was doing some anime babying this week, and uh, Jarrett, when he gave me his pile of anime, I've heard him talk about it before. Uh, he was like, "There's this series. It's only twelve episodes long, or something, twelve or thirteen. He's like, it's about six hours." So you could get it done in like the time of three movies. And uh, uh, the last time Jarek gave me an anime, I think he gave me the best one of all time, which was Neon Genesis Evangelion. So I was like, oh, yeah. All right. Hit me up with some more, brah. Brah. And uh, I think your only disclaimer at one point was it's really good. It's uh, it's about teen girls in uh, junior high or something. So just get past that and you'll be okay. And I was like, oh, okay. So... (laughs) 
I watched this anime, this mm-hmm. thing that took the space of three movies, called uh, Pula uh, Magi Madoka Magica. Mm-hmm. Pula Magi Madoka Magica. That's what it's called. This thing, Jarrett, as you know, but other people probably don't, it's about uh, teen girls in Japan. They're schoolgirls. And they stumble upon this secret underground world in Japan where there are witches and the witches prey on uh like young people who are sad or like lonely who are in despair and uh, they go to places like popular suicide spots and the witches basically take their life and the way they do this is they do these things where they have this like illusionary uh like constructs that's uh, they call like labyrinths where they stick people. It's like a big maze and the witch is kind of inside it, but like nothing's real and it's all kind of wacky and crazy. Uh, and then they like kill these people. Um, and that stuff's really cool. The labyrinths, it's like a really different art style. It's like kind of hand drawn stuff and like stop motion stuff. And it's all this cool things, all these cool things that Jared can talk about more later. Uh, so counter to the witches, you have magic girls or magical girls. Yeah. Uh, and it's led by this fun little cat uh, whose mouth doesn't move, but he's got these big ears. And he recruits these young teen girls to sign a contract with him to become magical girls. Uh, and to do this, they can have one wish. Anything in the whole world, they can have. And then after that, they are now uh, girls who fight these witches. And they get like powers uh specific to what they wish for and such and such and that's how this thing starts now should i keep going and yeah, tell you how i felt about this thing yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, is yeah. that a, is that a good uh intro? yeah i mean that's like the the ground level i mean it is that's a, ground, it's, that's it's, ground it, it, it is a magical school girl anime series that's how mm-hmm. it starts off until so, yeah yeah so i was watching this jared and it's only three discs and i got done the first uh, disc which was like the first hour and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, why did Jarrett lend me this? <laughs> I was like, what is this? I was mm-hmm. like, it's fine, I guess. But I was like, I don't really know if I'm going to get anything out of this. Like, mm-hmm. like it's kind of cool, but it's I, I, I saw a lot of people compare it to it's like, oh, it's like Sailor Moon. And I was like, I guess yeah. not really. Yeah, like kind of. And um, so I was like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to get out of this. But I, I kept watching, and then in the the back end, the second half of the second disc, mm-hmm. so basically like right at the halfway point, uh, the show started to turn, I guess, as all good animes do, mm-hmm. and you learn a little bit more about the actual plot of what's going on, yep. and you realize, oh, I guess the first half of the show is just setting up all these characters so you get used to them. And it sets up like the rules of how the magical stuff works, but then you re- but then you find out what the magical stuff actually is and what the characters are and what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, that's way different than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And you get all this talk about like uh, things begetting other things, like uh, you know, there's a popular phrase. It's like not how one thing leads to another but like cyclical relationships of things and then uh there's really good talk i like about um 
uh, like relationships between uh, species and animals. Uh, there's a good example they use about like humans and domesticates, like cows and chickens, mm-hmm. and how it's like a social contract between them. It's like, yeah, like, you know, cows, they got a pretty good deal. Like they get raised up, they get treated <laughs> right. And then, you know, their life is only about, it's a couple years shorter than it would be. But for the most part, it's pretty good. And that's like this, this deal that they have made. And it's like, that's how the universe should work is on things like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get some other themes about like, I don't know, uh, girls not really fitting in and people like friendships and trying to get along with other people and then things not see as they seem. And so anyways, by the end of this, I was like, all right, I, I see what this means. This is pretty cool. Uh, it's got some cool shit in there. This Pula Magia Madoke Magica. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, like in the last, I think, hour, I was really into it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. I was like, this thing got got serious. Mm-hmm. So there's some uh, some cool dark stuff near the end. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. So uh, at first, I was kind of confused. I was like, what is this? What, what Not is, confused. Why is J-Dog wasting my time? Yeah, I was kind of just like, this is like a kid's show, kind of. But uh, it does it does have a turn, and it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and I do really like uh, the way that they show the witches, like yeah. their animation stuff. The, the abstraction that's really, of it, yeah. Yeah, it's like all really, yeah, abstract, and it's kind of like the animation is different. Like the main show is like not new age, but like com- almost like computer uh, anime. And then the witch stuff is some of it's like hand drawn with like crayons yeah. and it's like stop motion. And it's really cool to see them like uh, beside each other. And I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. So uh, I can't remember. I think there was something else I want to say, but uh, no, it's good. It doesn't uh, it doesn't blow your dick off like uh <laughs> Ninja Scroll or NGE, but uh, I feel like I, I really peaked with uh, my anime series when I watched uh, uh, Evangelion so early. It's, it's 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 tough to beat, but uh, this one is it's pretty good. It's just you have to the first hour or hour and a half or something you're gonna be like, what is this? Why am I watching this kid show? <laughs> and then it gets more. So, anyways, this was your recommendation. So I don't know if you have anything to say about it. Yeah, like this is the one. Like as far as like a. Lo- so a couple of my rules when it comes to these these anime series is that the the best ones are the ones that are not based on a previously existing manga, which means that like it's something like usually when they make a animated series based on something that's already existed as a comic, it is never as good as the original material. So you might as well just read it. And so the best animation is the stuff that starts as an anime. So that's mm-hmm. Neon Genesis, Pula Magi Madoka. Uh, I mean, so... And there's really not a lot of series that are original because it's quite a risk to start a series in animated form because it's a ton of money and resources to dump into a series that then doesn't hit. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a safer bet to always wait for something that gets adapted after the fact. Um, but for me, it's kind of like, well, I'll just read the comic because it's always better. And so Pula checks off that box. Um, and then... There's also the the trajectory Teen girls aspect that you really like. Uh, yeah. No. So I mean, okay, the trajectory. Sorry, the trajectory of. Oh, okay. So, how in anime series, yeah, the first half of a series is like mm. good times, and yeah. then the second half is the dark times, which I I love that mm-hmm. format because uh, thinking of other things, Cowboy Bebop, another uh, original mm-hmm. property uh, that start like the first half, it's all fun and games, and then it gets 
morose and darker mm-hmm. and darker. Um, th- that's just, it's the best. And right. uh, so it's got those two things going for it. And then there's just like something like a, the link, the linkage between uh, Neon Genesis and Pula Magi for me is that they kind of both do for like their genres, like within Japanese subcultures or subgenres. Like one's giant robots. Neon Genesis did that, and they went, "Hey, let's mm-hmm. go in a completely let's, let's push this idea in a really weird way." Mm-hmm. And Pula Magi kind of like, "Well, what does it mean to be a magical schoolgirl? Like, there's no mm-hmm. real, there's no sacrifice in that." And so this is a show. It's like, well, what if they had to actually give something up? And yeah. and it's like, but they don't set it up in this way. We were like, oh, it's all going to be fun and games. Wouldn't every girl love to be like magical? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, but they might not understand what that means. And then there's like, I guess the element of it that I, I don't want to touch upon because it's kind of a, mm-hmm. it's a spoiler with Pula Magi that like, mm-hmm. I think when, when you watch it the first time, you're kind of like, oh, that's neat. And you realize just like yeah. how, me- like, it's like, oh, this is like really fascinating. Um, right. But yeah, I don't know. Are you talking I, about the like the cyclical nature of stuff? Yeah, which I really yeah. I, I found like really fascinating, and then like how yeah, it pay, cool. how it pays off. You're like, oh, that's really yeah. neat. <laughs> like I just because you're just like, how are they going to get out of this situation? And then it, it, mm-hmm. there's actually like, logic built into that. So yeah, I, I I think it's pretty cool. And like when uh, often when people ask talk, bring up the conversation of like, what's your favorite anime series? And it's like Neon Genesis. Uh, and mm-hmm. then it's like, I usually throw up Pula Magi. And like more often than not, if I'm having this conversation with people. Everyone goes, yeah, no, I fucking love that show. Like it's like, mm. a, I think a lot of people do uh, know about that show. Cause I don't know. Uh, I'd say that like 95% of anime is garbage. And there's like that sliver. Yeah. Uh, it's like usually it's like whatever Sturgeon's Law that it's like ninety percent. I think anime is like ninety five because, man, a lot of it is pretty cringy. It's very much. Uh, I don't know. The humor is not very funny. It's very fan servicey mm-hmm. and kind of like you wish it was better if they got rid of all, all the the bad comedy elements. Mm-hmm. But I found that Pula Magi is pretty straightforward. It doesn't have too many. The comedy stuff doesn't. Uh mm. no there there isn't a ton of. Uh, yeah. There isn't a ton of that comedy stuff, not for the most part. Yeah, it, um, it, yeah, it doesn't make you go. <laughs> it it leans a little more to like, I think at first it seems more it's like teen drama stuff. Yeah, and it leans that way, and you're like, okay, but then it actually like, and then it actually gets to like, uh, what teen drama could be about, right. I guess, if it was like really dire and things were like real serious, and you'd be like, oh shit, these girls is crazy. Damn. Damn. No, yeah. Pula Magi Madoka, uh, Madoka Magica. What does that mean? I don't know. It's it's like a ter- it's a t- fucking terrible title. <laughs> but Yeah, it should just be called Ma- like Madoka Magica. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows what it's, things but, should be called? But I think it's I think it's pretty cool. I think it's Yeah, it's but, cool. And, and to buy copies of it in North America is ridiculously expensive. Oh, so these copies that I have now are mm-hmm. these are hot commodities. Uh, well, I think whatever it is, it's like four episodes per disc. Each of those yeah. is like, like $40. It's like $10 well, an episode uh, for physical copies. And RJ, I should also be noted, mm-hmm. uh, there's actually three movies that, uh, mm-hmm. exist where I think the first two movies are just like the series again. And then the third movie is like an original thing that builds off of the ending of the two movies. Cause I'm not sure if there's a slight difference. I haven't watched them, but I've heard they're also really good, but I don't know. I had that experience with watching the uh, mm. the movie new Neon Genesis, the new ones, the mm. 1.0, whatever. Um, and I 
was like, what's the point of this? Like, this is just the same show. Like, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's redrawn, but the compositions are identical. And I was just like, meh, 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 anime, meh. Tell me about Star Slammer. You want to hear about Star Slammer, baby? Yeah, slam me. Slam, yeah. Ugh. Okay, wait, I got to look it up. So I watched Star Slammer uh, because, as people know, I have that Amazon Prime video. And uh, it really sucks. Uh, however, they're starting to get more uh, movies like this. Uh, this is where I watched Evils of the Night. Like 80s, 70s, 80s, like weird sci-fi horror genre stuff. They're getting more of this on there, and that's pretty cool. So I just popped up Amazon Prime yesterday, and I was like, let's see if there's anything new on here. And I saw this poster, and I saw this thing called Star Slammer. And I was like, ooh, shit, that sounds hot. Uh, this thing's tagline is untamed, uncaged, unleashed in space. So I saw this. The poster's like this uh, girl in like a loincloth, like chained up with uh, like a uh, – Star Trooper, what are those? You know, Stormtrooper gun. And I was like, ooh, that's pretty cool. Um, this is directed by Fred Olin Ray. We've ooh. talked about a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, Scalped, Alien Dead, Biohazard, Demon Cop, stuff like that. So he's a big time creep. This is actually the first time, first movie I've watched of his. Oh. You've seen many. Uh, uh, I honestly haven't. You've seen two or three? And I've always seen Scalps. Uh, and Demon Cop? Nope. Oh, I thought you watched Demon Cop. Alien Dead? No. Or Alien. Maybe Alien yeah, Dead. Yeah, you've seen Alien. Alien Dead, oh. yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Warlock's seen it, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, this dude. Uh, this movie also has two alternative titles. So when you start it, it comes up and it goes, The Adventures of Tara dash prison ship dash star slammer so this movie's got three titles um it starts off and you get a wizard like a gandalfy looking wizard and he's walking through some hills and then uh some little people dressed up like goblins come out of a, a hill mm-hmm. and you're like oh shit and they take this wizard back to this cave woman named tara and they're talking and he's like a priest and then out of nowhere aliens come and it's dudes in like football pads and they got laser guns and they're shooting the, they shoot the wizard cause he want like, he's touching these crystals, these like J O crystals. He's like touching them. And then, uh, they like shoot him and then they shoot all the little people and they try to rape this lady. But, uh, she like melts a couple of them cause there's like active lava all around just for some reason it's but it's like really self-contained it, it looks like an anthill but inside the anthill is like active lava so she like melts a couple dudes and they capture her and they bring her up to the star slammer that's very literal uh this is a woman in prison movie jared uh when i saw slammer i don't know what i thought star slammer was i think it was just i thought it was just a cool name but i didn't realize they meant like the slammer well, like there, a prison there used to be a, there was a comic called star jammers Mm-hmm. And I kind of like think of that, I guess. See, exactly. Like, I, I didn't think it was a prison movie, but I was like, oh, shit. So you get to this prison and you find out that all the guards are lesbians and they have like eye patches and they wear like BDSM stuff like uh, leather and fishnets and they all have whips and they like to whip the women because they get pleasure out of it. 
and you have all the prisoner women and they've all kind of been captured and they're not really like prisoners, but they're kind of there. And then you get a woman in prison movie where it's like the top prisoner lady is like duking it out with the newcomer. So they're like fighting and then they get put into like gladiatorial games. Uh, but then they become friends after they fight some uh, mutant rats yeah. and stuff like that. And then they have an escape and they get out of there, which is pretty cool. So this movie, Jarrett, is okay. It's not great. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not good. It's okay. Uh, it has some fun stuff in it. Like they actually had some cool like alien things in there. I put one of them on the Instagram. I actually like the design of a lot of the characters I thought it was really fun. Like one dude has super long blonde hair and just wears like a visor. And then like I was talking about like the BDSM or like just like leather daddy, the guard ladies that are like leather daddies. Yeah. Uh, they're walking around whipping people. I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, you have like, they like shoot lasers and they run around and like nothing really happens, but there is some cool stuff in this. Uh, a few notes, the creepy janitor guy from Evils of the Night was in this movie, which I was surprised to see. Uh, do you remember a movie, Jarrett, from 1983 from Douglas McEwen called The Deadly Spawn? Yes. That's in this movie. Hmm. Just, uh, it's, it is literally, it's like, I think it's one of the earlier stage Deadly Spawns. Like, it's only the size of like a vacuum. Yeah. or something like that uh that thing's actually in this movie like straight up hmm. it's it's the deadly spawn and i tried to find if there was a connection and i can't like between like other than i guess fred olin ray probably knows the deadly spawn people in some capacity but hmm. uh that thing's just in here uh you have uh oh so that mechanic guy from evils of the night you have a fun introduction for him he's got like a sloppy eye and uh you see how he was a he won like the torturer award when he was eight and you see him doing, it's like this video recap of this little kid, like torturing people. And it's like his hobbies include, and it's like uh, gouging, poking. And then he's like bone surfing and it cuts to a, an actual thing of him riding bones, like in space. I thought that was super cool. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's the kind of shit that I'm, uh, I signed up for. Fascinating. Uh, you have stuff like that. You have this like dude, who is like the big bad guy and he likes to get whipped by like his sidekick like he's into that but then there's this weird scene where the wizard guy comes back and the wizard starts whipping him and i was real confused i was like i don't know what's going on in this movie anymore like i don't think it's a movie that's really hard to follow (laughs) or anything like that but i was kind of lost at points i was like i don't know what's really going on Hmm. anymore uh the biggest thing about this movie uh, so anyway, I was going to say, it does have a few cool characters. Like, there's one, the alien chef. I actually thought that was, like, a really good costume for that guy. And it has some decent effects. Like, it doesn't look like total horse shit. Like, guys in duct tape, like, tin can things. So, like, I mean, it's not aliens or anything like that. But for this little low-budget film, I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. Um this movie has like a lot of Star Wars ripoff stuff. Like I think the sand, like the sand people, the Tusken Raiders, their design is pretty blatantly stolen in this. Right. And uh, the Indiana Jones like sa- like soundtrack the, or like the score uh, or music, whatever. That's like in this movie. It's just like a really shittier version. Like dun 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 dun. 
Like, you can tell it is. Like, they tried to change it a little bit, just not enough. Hmm. So, anyway, Star Slammer is a certified hit. Uh, creep approved. It is very all right. It's okay. It was... I, I I was fine watching it, you know. Like I was like, this is all right. I don't mind watching this thing. It's okay. cool. Okay, that's cool. Nice. So I and then I had one other film for you, Jer. Yeah. Uh, because I wanted to. I asked. I I heard that the Sullivan's Travel movie was about like a guy who is a hobo. So I was like, man, what kind of good hobo train movies are there? Because he's a hobo who's riding the rails, or just a hobo movie. Uh, and you pointed me towards Hobo with a Shotgun, which I had actually never seen. Like, I've seen the short thing, and, uh, I think I tried watching it once. I watched, like, ten minutes of it, and I was like, oh, I'm really not into this. Yeah. But, uh, I threw it on last night, and, uh, to be very honest, I was kind of doing other stuff when I put it on. Like, you know, how I do sometimes. Right. Uh, I thought Hobo with a Shotgun was okay. Yeah. It had some fun stuff in it. Like, some of the dialogue was pretty fun the way people talk to each other and just like uh, the ridiculousness of some of the violence and stuff like that, the way stuff explodes. This guy had good practical effects. Mm-hmm. I, I like this guy, Jason Eisner. He was uh, he's the guy who did the alien version or alien video of VHS two, right. which I thought was like the, like one of the only good shorts of that whole thing. Like out of the three good shorts of the VHS series, I think he has one of them. Yeah. So he also did that Treevenge. Yeah, which I've heard is good, but uh, I'll watch it at Christmas, maybe. Or yeah, yeah, maybe. Fine. But uh, Rutger Hauer is pretty cool, mm-hmm. and uh, I also like this because it had a lot of Canadians in it. Ricky, like trailer. Yeah, Ricky, and um, even uh, what's her face? Um, I don't know. But uh, there was a lot of other Canadian actors too, like that guy who looks like a kid who's who plays Slick, like the bad guy. That guy's Canadian, and uh, George Strombolopoulos, he's in this thing too. You know George Strombolopoulos. Some people do, some people won't. That's fine. It's, yeah, that's fine. So he's got some good Canadian boys. It was like ultraviolet. It was pretty ridiculous. Uh, not everything worked. I think some stuff I was like, eh. yeah. It's uh, it's not. I don't know. It's not great, but for. A, a one-time watch, I think you could get some fun out of it. Other than that, I don't think it would... I don't think anyone would want to revisit this thing a bunch and be like, oh, yeah, Hobo with a Shotgun. Nice. Well, I feel like uh, there's maybe like some crossover with, uh, like, watching House of a Thousand Corpses or something. And people are like, mm-hmm. yeah. <coughs> I'm pretty sure I watched this the same night. Um, I watched this with Corey and Lawrence. We watched Hobo with a Shotgun. We watched Ninja Assassin uh, from 2009, Ooh. and we topped the night off, RJ, with mm-hmm. Troll Hunter from 2010. Did you have you never seen Troll Hunter? Not at that time. That was oh. back. That that was like God. What day was? I, I can tell you the date because that's the magic of Letterboxd. January 15th, 2012. That's over wow. six years ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wow. Hey, Troll Hunter is a really good movie. Yeah. I, 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 Maybe I'll watch that this Christmas. That's a good Christmas movie. Nah, you can watch that anytime. I might watch that this Christmas. You know what I followed uh, Troll Hunter up with the next day? The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the first film adaptation. And that movie sucked. 
The uh, Daniel Craig one? No, this is the one before that. Hmm. Someone's distracted. Hmm. No, I'm not distracted. I'm just thinking about what you're saying. Okay. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, you watched Hobo with a Shotgun yeah, and sure Troll did. Hunter. Yeah, all one and, go. Uh, and yeah, Hobo Shotgun. Uh, the thing I will always remember about that movie is the music during the end credits, which I like. When the music hit, I was the only person uh, in the room who like knew what it was immediately, and they were like, "Oh yeah, you're right." Yeah, and I was like, "Holy shit!" And they're like, "What?" I'm like, "You don't recognize this music? This is like." Probably one of the most, uh, to me, iconic tracks of like Canadiana there is, especially from like the '80s, and that mm-hmm. is the uh, the end music to the hits, the smash television show, The Raccoons, mm-hmm. Run with Us. Um, yeah, and they, they, I mean, the use of it was just magical. Like it was like it's cause it's such a beautiful, moody song um, for this like kind of like shitty, but people have misplaced nostalgia for uh, cartoon. About mm. raccoons and what do you mean hurts. shitty? The raccoons is kind of shitty. Oh. I doubt it. What's sneer? Mr. Raccoons Mr. is good Mr. shit, man. It's, it's, it has a really when weird darkness like, falls. Yeah, you, you know it. Wow, you know, darkness falls by the raccoons. Run with us. That's what it's called. I like calling it uh, When Darkness Falls. Okay. Like your favorite movie? Um, your favorite episode of X-Files? I don't know. Oh. What are we talking about? <laughs> uh, well, I was going to start talking about the movies I creeped on. Okay, yeah, week. well, hit, hit me with it, brah. I watched Junior Bonner. <laughs> um, uh, this is a movie starring... Uh, Bullet mm-hmm. and uh, directed by Sam Peckinpah. Uh, this movie is about a rodeo man, a professional rodeo man, but he's kind of like down in the dumps. He's a loser and he's kind of come back to his hometown to redeem mm-hmm. himself in the eyes of his community because he's kind of become a washed up uh, rodeo guy. Mm-hmm. And you get introduced to his loser dad, his disappointed mom, his asshole brother, uh, played by Joe uh, Don Baker. And yeah, this movie, it's super 70s. Uh, and like the one thing that's nice about like uh, 70s American movies is that they did a whole bunch of stuff set in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like just like kind of like in that non heavily populated part of the world, like the, the cities and stuff like that, rural settings. Uh, and just lots of people wearing cowboy hats and uh, properly tailored clothes tucked in. Um, and I don't know, the first half of this movie is like pretty slow. And I don't know if I was just like really tired while watching this because I'm pretty sure I was like kind of in and out of consciousness watching it. And I don't think I missed a goddamn thing. And then mm-hmm. it kind of gets going into the story. It's kind of a sports movie, I guess. Because there is like the. What do you mean? Well, because there's like the the rodeo riding stuff, like we're uh, holding mm-hmm. onto the bull for eight seconds, that aspect. But it's very played down. Like it is barely a sports movie. Um, and, and what is this movie called again? Junior Bonner. Junior me. Boner. Yeah, J.R. Boner. Does he uh, last eight seconds? Uh, you'll have to watch to find out. But you're not going to watch it. So yeah, mm. yes, he does get at one point a, a bit of a moral victory uh, over the big bull. That's like that. That fucked him up last time. What kind of bull do they got in this movie? A big black bull. 
a big black one. Yeah. Oh, it's those big. are the most dangerous ones when they put their hoodies on. Yeah. And they go out at nighttime. You gotta watch out. Yeah. Well, it's one of those yep. types. Yep. Yep. Uh, I have one serious question. Yes. Is it uh, better or worse than eight seconds uh, with Luke Perry? You know, RJ, I have Don't never. Don't say it. Don't say I it. I have never watched eight seconds. <sighs> I'm sorry. I see, I, I, I'm I, the one holding this podcast I, together. I'm sorry. I know that you, 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 because of your family business, this movie probably has a very special place in your family's uh, house. Eight I'm, seconds. I'm, I'm is sure. Phenomenal. Do, do, do you have like a, a giant signed print in like the uh, the the auction house? When I saw Stephen Baldwin and I talked to him and we hung out for a couple of weeks in Italy, all we talked about was eight seconds and his breakthrough performance yeah. as tough fascinating uh anyways watch eight seconds okay i'm, I'm absolutely who directed it uh the guy who did holy fuck the uh john j alvidson the director oh. of rocky yeah. and the karate kid rocky five so he, he's like the king of the sports uh so he did two rockies three karate kids wow um here hey rj other I, stuff? I've I've never watched any of the Karate Kid movies. Uh I don't have as much anger for you toward about that. No. But uh you should watch that shit because Luke Perry rides a bull. Mm-hmm. And uh I think you need more bull riding movies in your life. All all of them. All those bull riding movies. Uh yeah. <laughs> you can watch this and uh the cowboy way with uh What's that, Woody Harrelson and Kiefer Sutherland? You'd have a nice little night. Yeah, I guess I would. Uh, so yeah, Junior Bonner is like, yeah. If you're in, for, if you want to go into like a '70s movie, there's like so many better ones. This one's just sort of there. Uh, as far as Sam Peckinpah movies go, uh, it's not even, it's not at the top five. It's just kind of like, oh, there's a movie. There's a reason why no one talks about it. Um, Steve McQueen, as always, uh, never impresses me, and he looks like shit in this movie. Like he looks real rough. Um, was so, it because he was actually riding those bulls or what? No, you can. They they definitely take him out of those scenes and have like a professional doing it. But uh, there you go. There's some good bar fighting, uh, some weird uh, lecherous stuff going down. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's fine. It's a movie. It's it, 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 now if this movie were about professional wrestling, it'd be like the greatest mm-hmm. movie of all time. But um, just by default, because it'd be so moving to me. But uh, yeah, this is just like mm-hmm. okay. Um, there's better like pieces of '70s rural cinema out there. Just like watch last last picture show. Watch that. That movie's a masterpiece. This movie is just that fine. movie doesn't have bull riding in it. It doesn't, but it it, it achieves the f- feeling better than this movie You're does. S- such a hack, Duncan. <laughs> Come on. And so RJ, <clears throat> what now? I watched a documentary called The Image Revolution. Ugh. <laughs> sounds bad. Are, are you familiar with this in any way? Uh, is it about image comics? It sure is, RJ. <clears throat> so this documentary came out four years ago, I want to say. I think it was meant to be to coincide kind of with like the 20th anniversary of image mm-hmm. comics. And it just like covers a period that I was 
I was like, what, nine, ten years old when the image revolution actually occurred. And uh, being a comics aficionado and uh, yeah. comics historian uh, from my armchair Total nerd. Here, from, from my armchair, being a reader mm-hmm. of Wizard Magazine in the late 90s, uh, I knew every. I knew all the players in this. I knew everything they were talking about. This is like something I was totally immersed in. And as far as that goes, I think it does a pretty good job of like, depicting events as best as you could expect when you have like Mm -hmm. all these people's egos and stuff like that involved Uh, to recap for people who have no idea what this is all about uh, so the image revolution just tackles uh, this period back in 1991 1992 where you had at Marvel Comics like the seven biggest names drawing all your main comics your Spider-Mans your X-Men's and uh, a couple of them started realizing hey we're not getting paid enough to do all this. Like our comics are like selling literally millions of issues and we're not seeing like any amount of money on for how for the amount of like for what we're putting in, we're not getting any of that in. And so they, they kind of revolted and they picked up and left all, all in one go and they formed their own company and uh, they made a lot of money. They sold mm-hmm. a lot of comics. Uh, they got uh, kind of rich. I mean, and these guys were like young. Like these were like these guys are like in their early twenties, mid twenties. How of young? Thing. Well, Rob Liefeld might have been uh, twenty twenty years old. Would uh would that would that guy who was at the comic store would he have been like oh yeah, oh yeah? Uh, well, I don't know. I think I think he prefers the ladies, but I don't know about that either. Don't assume things, Jarrett. Twenty four. Twenty four. Rob Liefeld would have been. Pretty young, man. Was, was, would he have been the youngest? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because McFarland would have been a few years older. So anyway, these guys picked up, left, took their ball, went home, created their own company. And mm-hmm. what did they do? They just went and created superhero comics that were kind of derivative of the comics they were doing elsewhere. And holy crap, people followed them in droves. Um, mm-hmm. The documentary really doesn't drive home kind of how bad these comics are in reality. Like they're badly written the art is very much of its time but it's like hugely popular when it came out Mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of like just like footage of the drawings that are like i don't know like there's people who still probably love this art and they like think they think it's sweet but Mm -hmm. the proportions and stuff like that and understanding of composition are just terrible but they have like it's really good production value for the time as far as coloring goes like they're very slick looking um, so you're saying Rob Liefeld started at 24 and he still doesn't know how to draw feet? Uh, well, that goes for a few of these guys. Michael Turner, who will never get better at drawing feet because he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- oh, shit. Yeah. Well, th- you got him, man. I got him. But uh, yeah. No, so Rob anyways. Liefeld. Anyways, so, okay. This is like getting into like, this isn't a comics podcast, but like Rob Liefeld is a guy who's like been shit on so hard by like, yeah, by, com- by comic fandom and like, mm-hmm. like Wizard Magazine back in like the, like for made a, made a whole life of like making fun of Rob Liefeld. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, I don't know if this documentary is just kind of like doing the whole like, mm, rewriting history i don't think it really is i think it's just like kind of stating things with distance and being like rob liefeld this 24 year 24 year old guy what what did he do he tried to get all his friends jobs working for him where he was paying them a ton of money and buying them cars he bought like yeah that's cool and like this is what he was doing at 24 it's like how many like like guys who are suddenly millionaires go and like buy all their friends cars and like 
Like, well, I would have done it, but I doubt you would have. <laughs> like, well, I would buy you a car if I had the money, but I know you wouldn't buy me a car if you had the money. <laughs> the, I get, people can't see I was doing the sad face. Yeah. Uh, yep. Anyway, so this, like, I, I think last year I talked about watching the uh, Tom McFarlane documentary uh, that's uh, the National Film Board did, and I thought that was, like, it's not, like, a great piece of filmmaking. In fact, it's, like, pretty dated in a lot of ways produced um this isn't too bad as far as like it doesn't have like some of like the netflixiness but it always has that inspiring music and documentaries is like kind of eye-rolling uh and it's never going away anytime soon sadly mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know this just touches on stuff it made me remember things i totally had forgotten about uh it's kind of fun looking at shitty old comics but like on a television screen and watching like yeah. just like fandom and like conventions and watching like the old the old hats talking about things and how they remember it and it's like oh this is neat I'd like to read a book on this I guess too but this will do me in a pinch uh, so yeah I thought this was really cool I like this uh, comics documentaries are I'll probably maybe one day watch more when uh, I actually have interest in the subject matter they're presenting but I dug this RJ hey Jarrett yo Nobody cares. Mm, not very many people do. I'm not sure how many people have actually watched this documentary on Letterboxd, but uh, I, I'm I'm just kidding, buddy. You should check it out. Hey, I'm, ju- I'm just kidding. But you then pal. RJ, I wanted what? to, you know, you were watching hobo movies. I wanted to watch some martial arts movies. Does that fit in with Sullivan's Travels? A little bit, I think. Lots of people getting hit in the head. This movie had one of these movies had like guys legitimately like fucking beating the shit out of each other uh, for, for cinema. Uh, Born to Fight. Uh, mm-hmm. This is an Indonesian film. Uh, mm-hmm. I think at one point, Quentin Tarantino said this is one of like his favorite films. It's also on uh, your buddy Edgar Wright's 1,000 Films list. Uh, I don't know. Oh. Now, I don't know why this film necessarily should be like this highly regarded because... Story-wise and, and filmmaking-wise, this movie's pretty bad. Um, the story of it is it starts off just like two cops are going undercover to break up like, I don't know, gun trade or drug trade stuff. And bad guy catches on and then uh, a big gunfight car chase ensues. Now, it's just super generic. The You can see the acting's pretty bad. Uh, even like, I'm not even speaking their language and I can pick up on the fact that they're based on their body language and stuff like that. The, these are not professional actors. These are stuntmen who are making a movie. And mm-hmm. the filmmaking is like not very attractive. But when it gets down to like those, like these guys having to do their own stunts and doing these ridiculous like action scenes, it's awesome. Like I was just like, oh, that guy on the back of that truck, he just did a, a kip up and mm-hmm. now he's shooting with both his guns drawn. And they just What's did a it. kip up? It's when you're like laying, now if you're imagining yourself laying prone, oh, you take yeah. your, your legs and you chop up in one motion. It's the thing that like Shawn Michaels does in wrestling. And like it's an impressive feat of your core strength. This guy not only does that, but when he hops up, he's got his guns pointing out and just double, double guns just blowing away people. And it's like, well, that's pretty wicked on the back of a fucking moving truck. Did you say Shawn Michaels? Shawn Michaels. The Heartbreak Kid? The Heartbreak Kid. Ooh, do you think he would guest on this podcast? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he knows much about movies. I don't know if that's a prerequisite, though, to do a podcast uh, about movies. About though. movies? Yeah. That's, that doesn't matter. No. Uh, Anyways, tell me so, more about this so anyway, movie with this movie, It's got, like, uh, a kip, kip up. All right, nip up, depending on who you ask. 
Uh, Stop it. So, I don't know. Anyways, action, action, action. Guys just fucking jumping off of moving trucks, and it's so mm-hmm. brutal. There's a guy who almost gets run over by a truck, which is just, like, exciting to watch near death. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it gets to this thing where, oh, my partner dies, and, oh, my, like, sister that I'm in charge of, she's going on this sports, like, fundraiser thing where they're going to give donations to a small poor village in the middle of nowhere so it does that for a while and it's really bad mm-hmm. and it goes on way too long and is really saccharine and like like what is this shit and then terrorists with a nuclear weapon show up in this very small village and they t- and they just start fucking killing people left and right our hero uh, he, he's kind of like kind of taking them out one by one, but is very quickly captured. And then we have more dragging on. We get a like dream sequence of a nuclear explosion that is no Terminator 2. Uh, some real, mm. real dodgy CGI in the way only uh, Asian films are able to pull off. Nice. Um, but then the movie kind of begins to redeem itself with just like the ridiculous final act, which is just nonstop uh, stuntmen just fucking kicking each other in the head, landing on their backs, jumping off way too high of places, explosions left and right. Uh, there's one particular uh, moment that I had always seen the 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 gif of, uh, of a man wearing like a red military style hat, firing a gun at another man, and the other man has an RPG and is able to gut it out, fire off the RPG, mm. and the missile blows this man apart. Um, and I was like, I, was, I had always wondered, what movie is this? And now I know, Born to Fight. Uh, was it cool, at least? It was pre- it's pretty awesome. It's pretty, pretty cool. good. Uh, another time a man, his arm gets blown apart by uh, just by, like, by regular old ammunition. And it's horrific, where you're like, mm-hmm. Jesus. Like, that was really well done. But then the rest of the movie is just like, the, it feels like the framing is always off during the action scenes and it just could have been better. Um, but like when it seems like when you have the, the professional, like the quote unquote professional stuntmen doing their own stuff, there's this stuff where I was like, Oh God, like out loud to myself in my living room watching it. Cause it's just like, come, it comes out of nowhere kind of. And you realize like, Oh, mm-hmm. like when you watch Michael Mann action movies, it seems like he just likes having his stuntmen get pulled away safely, which because, you know, laws dictate that they take care of their performers. But in Indonesia, no rules and men are just fucking doing things that no man should do. And luckily, as far as I'm aware, no one died. So no harm, no foul. So that's Born to Fight. And I topped this off, RJ, with a bit of a Shaw Brothers uh, kung fu action. The bat- Shaw Brothers, the Shaw Brothers. Uh, I don't know what that means. Man, you you need to get out more. Get out of the barn. What do you mean by get out? Get out of the barn. Go out to the world. Okay, tell me about these weird dudes that fight or something. No, the Shaw brothers are producers, like Run Run. Oh. Run Run Shaw. Run um, Mobile Run? Yeah. Uh, he, uh, nice. He co-produced this number, The Battle Wizard. Ooh, that sounds cool. Uh, yes, yeah, so this is a kind of more of a fantasy style uh kung fu flick i don't even know where to begin talking about this the the last five ten minute battle sequence is pretty rad uh Mm -hmm. there's killer gorillas there's like like lobster armed mutant men with fangs running about there's giant red snakes getting killed and their blood being drank and then it turns into a super human being um i don't know mechanical legs uh poisonous toads uh, Did you say toes? Toads, 
T O A D S toads. I think poisonous toes would be cooler. I'm sure somewhere it's been done. Uh, that's a wholly unique and original idea, Jared. Holy, holy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Battle Wizard. I don't know. You could probably watch the best part of this on YouTube. I'm, I'm sure it's like what WTF Kung Fu movie, and you just if you just type in Battle Wizard, it's there, and you'd get like the most exciting bits of this. Um, this is like mediocre by like my standards of uh, martial arts movies uh, for like the king of <clears throat> bat shit kung fu movies watch the holy oh. sword oh fuck what is it? it's got like a ridiculous holy sword of the marsh of the material world or something like that that movie is non-stop madness that people should check out holy sword of the something something i don't know i'll figure it out are you thinking of uh this all sounds like that movie the page master is that what you're thinking about uh yeah maybe have you ever seen the page master you know what rj i've I've never seen the page master i own it on dvd yeah i I will bring it to your house and you will watch it right after you watch eight seconds (laughs) page master is awesome man I'm, i'm really surprised you haven't seen that you don't watch that in like school or anything holy flame of the martial world no, we're way past that. Okay. We're way past that. Holy flame of the martial world? Holy flame of the martial world. What's the martial world? Martial? Uh, yeah, what does that mean? I, I don't know. Figure it out. Return of the Fuck. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, stop it. Hey, RJ, that's the movies what? I watched. Got any, got any news for us this week? I don't think so. Uh, have you followed any of the David Lynch news? Yeah, it seems like uh, they misquoted him or they ran yeah, off there's, with there's that some, a little some, bit. There's some real, uh, real fake newsery about this whole thing. Yeah. So for the sake of uh, the time capsuleness of a podcast, uh, there's a headline that uh, reputable news source Breitbart.com ran with mm-hmm. uh, that said that David Lynch had said that. Uh, Donald Trump would like become the greatest or is the greatest. It's something like potential to be the greatest of all time or some, yeah. some shit like that. And it's that. like not even like, I don't even know if they threw the potential. They just said he was like the greatest. He was, the greatest he would of be all the, time. He would be the go down as the greatest president of all time. Now, people, of course, started freaking out because generally speaking, I assume that most of your David Lynch fans are probably not a lot of Trump supporters. Just, I would guess, per- percentage-wise, it doesn't work out that way. So there was a lot of, like, Fox News ran with this, and there's a lot of, like, <laughs> how do you like David Lynch now? He's one of us, and blah, blah, blah. Well, yep. this, of course, like, is ridiculous because you find the actual, like, where that quote mm-hmm. came from, and you read it in context, and you go, oh, you know, what David Lynch is saying there isn't necessarily crazy in the way he's saying it because he's like, well, he's doing a lot of, like, reckless things and maybe something really good is going to come out of it because there'll be a change that comes that will be required to like rectify these things and maybe it's like he'll become like known historically as like the president who changed so much so badly Um, and he's just saying it like he was just thinking out loud kind of thing and but you know all these these organizations that talk about fake news are here spreading fake news Uh, and then David Lynch most recently had some like a Twitter tweet or something like that, wanting to reach out to Donald Trump, saying how he should be making lives better by treating others the way that he would like to be treated. Um, 
And mm-hmm. then I've now seen, of course, people go like, now that you've commented on this, I cannot be a fan of your work anymore. And it's just, oh, man, oh, man. This week's been bad. People need to get over themselves. This week has been really bad for new stuff. Like, it, this is like, I don't know. I thought we'd hit like an all-time low, but no, the, the, we're still finding new lows of just ignorance and stupidity and restaurants and just the way people carry on and con- like on on all sides, all walks of life, just people are making me so depressed. And Does I, this make you depressed? Jared Leto to star in Sony Spider-Man title Morbius? Morbi- yeah. <laughs> Does that make me sad? No, it doesn't. I find, I mean, it's like, I I mentioned this before, where DC announces a new fucking movie every single week. It's not going to happen, man. It's not, like, these movies are never going to get made. Uh, I'm pretty sure Sony, Spider-Man have named, like, seven different spinoffs. Like, Secret Six, or not Secret Six, uh, what's uh, their bad guy thing called? Uh... What? Sinister Six, Spider-Man's. Oh, oh Sin- Spider-Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sinister Six, uh, I believe there was a Black Cat in Silver Sable movie uh, announced as well. There's this, like, nobody fucking, why Why would they? anyone want that, a that Silver fart, Morbius that, movie? That fart sound is the, is the sound of vaporware just coming out. Yeah. I had a uh, Morbius what? toy, though, and it was pretty cool. Do you remember uh, in the Spider-Man animated series that Morbius talked like this? He talked like a Romanian, but he's like yeah. a cartoon Dracula. Yeah, that was super cool. I love that shit, and I thought it was awesome. I, I, but the, I don't... And he, but, he sucked, he, but he couldn't say blood, so he sucked plasma. Uh, plasma. plasma. Yeah. You through, know why? Through his I, hands. I watched that as a kid, and I never really caught on that. I always just assumed he was stealing plasma. Well, I think I always used to tell people, I was like, yeah, that Morbius dude, dude fucking takes your plasma, man. Yeah. You watch out. Watch out for Morbius and Jared Leto. I mean, Jared Leto also likes sweet, plas- sweet, pl- sweet, sweet plasma. Do you think uh, you think he goes down to like plasma or like blood banks and just takes plasma bags? Just like Howard Hughes and Peter Thiel and his... <laughs> If we say it enough, people might believe it. Yeah. Delicious. Bro. Well, that was my news. Uh, yeah, that was my news. Awesome. Morbius, David Lynch. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's it. We got a movie to yes. talk about, though. We After do? the break, RJ and I are going to ride the rails. Coke rails? <laughs> Ugh! Yeah. Let's do this shit. There's a voice that keeps on calling me Down the road, it's where I'll always be Every stop I make, I make a new friend Can't stay for long, just turn around and I'm gone again Maybe tomorrow, I'll wanna settle down Until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on Down this road, that never seems to end when you adventure lies just around the bend So if you want to join me for a while Just grab your hat, come travel light, that's old style Maybe tomorrow I'll want to settle down Until tomorrow the whole world is my home Maybe tomorrow I want to settle down until tomorrow.
to be in trouble, without friends, without credit, without checkbook, without Dave, alone. And I'll go with you. How could I be alone if you're with me? Sullivan's Travel, the side-splitting story of a $4,000 a week big shot who turns hobo for experience and gets more than he bargained for. You better drop me at the next corner and take this bus back where you stole it from. Don't talk nonsense. I left a note saying I was taking the car. Or did I? Be nice if you could remember. What do you suppose that is? Well, whatever it is, there's absolutely nothing they can do. Remember that. What did you say? I said there's absolutely nothing they can do. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about Sullivan's Travels from 1941, directed by Preston Sturgis. Uh, the tagline from the film, uh, one of at least two, uh, a happy-go-lucky hitchhiker on the highway to happiness. He wanted to see the world, but wound up in Lover's Lane. Uh, I prefer the movie poster, which is Victoria, well, not Victoria Lake, fuck. Come on. Fuck me. God Come damn on. it. What are you doing? <laughs> Do you want us to fail? Yeah. Keep going. Jeez. Veronica Lake is on the take. I like that better. You. What does uh, that mean? Successful movie director John L. Sullivan convinced he won't be able to film his ambitious masterpiece until he has suffered, dons a hobo disguise, and sets off on a journey aiming to know trouble firsthand. When all he finds is a train ride back to Hollywood and a beautiful blonde companion, he redoubles his efforts, managing to land himself in more trouble than he bargained for when he loses his memory and ends up a prisoner on a chain gang. <laughs> um, so Sullivan's Travels. This is a movie uh, I bought way back in the day. Uh, the DVD poster for this is pretty good. It's just, I mm-hmm. think, uh, it's a nice stylized uh, piece of work. Uh, bright yellow, uh, which seems to be a theme in these Preston Surges criterion so far with this and Lady Eve. Uh, my initial attraction to this, uh, way back in the day when I wanted to watch this was it was about a hobo and about hobos and riding the rails and living life on your own. I'm like, that sounds awesome. Especially when you're like 19 years old. Uh, so I bought this one, uh, cause there's no other way to watch it way back when. Um, mm-hmm. but, and also there's also when I would have watched this, I guess, uh, there was the whole link with the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, the uh, Coen Brothers movie, which I'll, which I watched. The I Link. The Link, uh, mm-hmm. which kind, there's kind of a, kind of a link. There's a little bit. Like a link in a chain? There's a little bit more of a relationship there than, say, 
Hidden Fortress and Star Wars. We'll, okay. We'll just go with that. Okay. okay. So it's been a long time since I watched Sullivan's Travels. And uh, I honestly just kind of remembered the the twist, I guess, in the story. And mm-hmm. that was about it. Like when I first watched this, I had no idea who Joel, uh, Joel McRae was. I had never seen a movie of Joel McRae. But now that I've seen a whole bunch of Westerns, uh, including Sam Peckinpah's Ride the High Country and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm more familiar with him and his stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, this movie... Uh, I guess like you would compare it immediately to mm-hmm. a la- Lady Lady Eve, uh, mm-hmm. and there's just like no comparison. Uh, Lady Eve is just like a fantastic, amazing piece of movie making, and Sullivan's mm-hmm. Travels is good. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's but it's got some real goofiness, and mm-hmm. I mean that's kind of part and parcel of I guess like making this comedy, and it kind of fits meta wise into this movie about being zany and fun, uh, mm-hmm. and like kind of playing like a Looney Tunes cartoon. Uh, but it doesn't really become relevant why it's kind of goofy and stuff like that till late in the movie, um, because yeah, there's we'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's about there, right off the bat. Uh, the threat of communism is laid bare. The fear of communism here in 1941. And like, I I thought that was funny because uh, lately I've been uh, reading like early 60s Marvel comics. And the one thing that's really surprised me reading uh, like early Thor and early Hulk comics is just like the anti-communism and just like how much talk there is about the Iron Curtain and the Red Menace. And it's, it's like, man, they don't, really address any of this now in the comic books do they just they just kind of like brush over those things they're just like hey remember when this villain was created they don't talk about the fact that like oh there's that time that thor was fighting this guy who was a stand-in for castro and then they Mm -hmm. over they overthrew castro and castro was running away of giant bags of money literally with dollar signs on them uh no one talks about i think that's the plot of thor 4 yeah yeah it's coming our way folks yeah san diablo Mm -hmm. (laughs) um anyway so this movie, it's it starts off with some of that uh, Preston Sturgis, uh, pet pitter patter dialogue, that banter, mm-hmm. uh, talking a lot of talk about sex, which is probably very saucy for 1941. Um, and now it's just like, yeah, people do that all the time. What sex? Yeah, and talk about it. What people? Um, people, you know. Vagabonds, vagabonds, sexual preverts, the homeless, deviants, practicing their safer sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I made a note here about the height of Joel McRae's suspended pants. Uh, Ooh, they are they are definitely above the belly button. Those pants and yeah, those suspenders are doing like overtime. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one little line thrown in here, real quick, about people always like what they don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to be true of though of things that people don't like either. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, just to interject for a second, uh, I think that's a, a good common thread through this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really like when the butler is trying to talk him out of going to be a hobo, and uh, he's like, uh, "What does he say?" Um, he's talking about he's like people who live in poverty know what poverty is like. Only he says only the rich would find that glamorous, like like the butler's trying to convince him. He's like, you know, poor people don't want to watch more movies that make them real sad about being poor. Mm-hmm. They get it, man. Mm-hmm. Only you rich people do. He's like, is that gonna work? So I think that's fits a little bit with what you said. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, so there's a bit where he's like trying on his hobo uh, gear, uh, and it's described as sufficiently mm. seedy. Ooh, no. it sounds like a script for you. Yeah. Um, the valet here is played by Eric Bloor, who's like one of my fave dudes that we've seen a few times now in these Criterions from the 30s. Who's Eric Bloor? He, uh, he was like in the, he was in Swing Time. He was also in was it Lady Eve. He's like the guy who's playing her uncle. It's not the huge fat guy. Is no, it? not not the huge fat guy, but this. Oh, the, the, oh okay, the small, I know. yeah, yeah, that guy, Eric Bloor. Yeah, he, yeah he's, that dude's cool. Yeah, that guy's that guy's always great. And yeah, the the fat guy, he's also in these movies. All these character actors just keep showing up in all these '30s movies. I'm okay mm-hmm. with that. Um, and yeah, so once again, here we have a rich man playing at poor by way of my man Godfrey. Uh, the, and then of course, like mm-hmm. later on, uh, I was like thinking back about uh, the movie Vagabond. Which is like again another movie about like making this decision to be poor, and I'm like, man, that's a, that's like quite a few movies in like a mere what 100, 118 movies now we're at in the Criterion Collection, and it's like yeah, mm-hmm. there's, these are definitely some themes that uh, keep popping up uh, in the body of these movies. It's almost like they have a a political agenda. RJ, does this make you uncomfortable? Only thing that makes me uncomfortable, Jared. Is the what you do on the screen that the listeners can't see? <laughs> well, you can't. You you have to watch what I'm doing. So that's you always turn off the video. But I know you like to be able to see my eyes, just like I like to see yours. Oof. Yeah. So. Oof. So our man Sullivan, uh, mm-hmm. Sully, he uh, he leaves town to go on this big adventure. Uh, we get this utterly ridiculous car chase. That is like so goofy, and yes. I think it's really like the use of music. Goofy. The use of music is like really annoying and on the nose. And I was just mm-hmm. like, "Oh my god, this is like like Chanel was watching this with me, and she was just like, "Whoa, this movie goes through some real changes. <laughs> like it just like shifts mm-hmm. gears completely." Um, yeah, and so we get this bit after that where he's chopping wood for farmer this like farmer lady who's looking for a man. Uh, we get to see him go to the movies with the masses and it illustrates mm-hmm. all my problems with why I don't go to the theater very often. Meow, uh, mewling children, popcorn mm-hmm. hiccups. So I had a note about this as well, because this is exactly like last week when we were talking about hereditary and the, uh, the theater experience I had, Yeah, uh, that is what was going on basically for me. But it was people laughing and like, slopping popcorn in their mouth and stuff like that to the horror movie and not a comedy but still still and even the dude i was with was trying to get his hands up my thigh like uh this old lady was doing yeah that was, that was some see, uh hashtag me too stuff going on yeah lots see of, if sullivan was a real hobo he could have read the hobo signs outside of the house to know that the lady was a predator right but he wasn't a real one and he didn't know yeah uh, indeed. So we indeed. get we, we get a little bit of torn pants humor, and everything winds up going back to Hollywood, and then we get introduced to Veronica Lake, and we get some of that uh, attempted like the meat cute, uh, where it's like suddenly they're like really into one another. 
because that's what the movie mm-hmm. says. And it's like, wow, these people have known each other for like, what, six hours? And they're like, she's just falling into his lap. And I guess it's like, well, once you find out he has a pool, why not? Mm-hmm. And That's all it took back then, Jer. That's all it took. I mean, but apparently no one realized this was going on until like last year. It's fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, there's, a, there's the ongoing joke about how hard it is to like leave Hollywood and like to set out to like be poor because you just keep getting sucked right back into where you started. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the bit with, uh, that I always laugh about now is, uh, Joel McRae as he and, uh, Veronica Lake are now in full, like bow disguise. They jump in onto the train car and there's the two guys who are just watching them like fumble about, uh, trying to get in there. And it's like pretty well, uh, how do you do fellow kids? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that a lot actually. Cause what does he say? He says something is like, what do you feel about the current, uh, current affair crisis or yeah. something? Yeah. And they're just like, they that just, one they, guy looks they, like a real yeah. hobo. And they just get up and go yeah. to another car and they're like, what's that guy's problem? I like that. That was funny. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the movie kind of plays out just like the whole, like these people, you know, it's a kind of a trope, I guess, of like people setting out to find out what they're looking for. And once they do, they realize it's even worse than they thought. And you get moody montages of sadness and the, the real America. Um, you get a touching tale of free donuts and a coffee. It's mm-hmm. like, it's really got, it's got some punch to it. Cause you're like, wow, that was like a genuinely nice moment. You don't usually get those in movies or in life. So it's nice when that gets created. Um, and yeah, there's like that montage of the stricken and downtrodden. And then there's the use of the music. Once again, not my favorite in this movie. Um, and yeah, then, then you get the second part of the movie, <laughs> uh, with, you know, steel, yeah, shoe stealing bow man, Knocking yeah. out a man because he's handing out those those five bucks. He's, yeah. he's gonna cash in, and then it turns into a jail movie about fucking being on the chain gang, getting whooped, and then everything works out okay. RJ, what Yo. did you what what did you think of this travel? This travel by F. P. Sullivan. Yeah. Uh, well, as you know, I don't like movies with the rich people because mm-hmm. I can't sympathize for them. But as you also know, I like this Preston Sturgis. That Lady Eve, that was good stuff. That was real good stuff. Mm-hmm. I was going in this. I was like, eh, a guy wanting to be a hobo. It's like my man Godfrey. I didn't really like that movie at all. That movie actually made me really mad. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this thing. Also, the screwball comedy. Uh, it's been hit miss so far. I think it's 50-50. Two of them I've liked. Two of them I haven't liked. I think the trick, Jarrett is that Preston Sturgis needs to direct it. Because mm. I actually did like Sullivan's Travels. I Yay. thought it was pretty good. I don't think it's a, it's, uh, it's a country mile from Lady Eve. Yeah. But uh, I did like it. I made uh, Andy watch it with me. Uh, she well, well, okay, okay. Uh, she watched Lady Eve with me, and she liked it a lot. And uh, I was trying to convince her. I was like, I think this is going to be an Andy pick. And she's like, really? Is this really going to be an Andy pick? And the reason she said that was because the last couple, I said that to her too. Because I read, like, I don't know that much about these movies, but I read them. And I was like, oh, I think this might be an Andy pick. So I showed her, like, Magnificent Ambersons. And I think she lasted, like, 15 minutes. And she's like, I'm out of here. And I was like, oh, shit. And I showed her, uh, what was it? I don't know. One of the other fucking movies we watched. One of those other things. <laughs> 
so anyway she's like your she's like your call on andy picks doesn't really isn't so sharp and i was like oh man do you even really know her i apparently not but uh i showed her this and she liked it as well uh i think this movie works on a few levels i agree with you where it is a little too goofy at some times and it's like i kind of like you said once you get to the end you're like okay i get it i see what they're trying to say here uh, it, it is a little goofy at some points, and there are some points that I think lose you a little bit. Like the car chase is definitely one of them. It, it's like fun, and you're like, "Oh, that's funny," <laughs> but it does, man. Like it kind of it loses you. Part of the thing but, too is like I don't know. You you probably haven't watched like any of like the uh, Buster Keaton like car no. chases, and those things are like like amazing because it's all him doing his own stunts and it's like continuous camera movements. And they're like these like elaborately planned like stunts and they're like, they're incredible. Like you can just watch and be like, Holy shit. How did he survive this? And mm-hmm. here though, they're just like edited, smashed up. Like they're exactly what you expect. Cause it's like, Oh, we're not like, no one's going to put their neck out to like risk stuff like Buster Keaton would, but like they're so well executed. And so like watching something like that's so jarring and goofy and kind of slapsticky compared to like this, like technical Marvel of stuntsmanship. It's just kind of like, mm-hmm. Oh, and then you have this like annoying over the top music over everything. It's just kind of like, yeah, I wish this kind of wasn't here. <laughs> but it's like some people will probably think this is like the funniest fucking thing they've ever seen in their lives. I would have thought you would have said that because you're an old man and you have old man humor. Yeah, well, because, you but, know, uh, it's like in the like Bank Dick has like one of those like has that ridiculous like big car chase at the end of it. That is also yeah, that like, one's fun. It's OK, but at the same time, it's yep. like it's so like I, I like when it feels reckless. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like like I like everything in my life. I like recklessness Reckless. and, da- and real danger. Pal- yeah. Palatable threat. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand. But no, yeah, like. I, I get what you mean with some of those parts. Uh, I think more or less. So the story itself, I can get on board with because I was like, yeah, it's not quite like the My Man Godfrey, where I was like, I don't like any of these people. Because uh, Sullivan, he is a rich dude, but but you kind of you're like, well, he's trying to do the right thing, I guess, a little bit. And then you meet the saucy girl, uh, Veronica Lake, and she's just kind of there for fun too. And you're like, okay, so it's not. I, I don't find it as off-putting as the other rich people movies. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, that Veronica Lake we were watching, and I was like, this, I was like, this lady has like a really unique look. Mm-hmm. I was like, she looks like like a, uh, and I couldn't quite put my like put it to words. And Andrew's like, well, she looks modern. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, this lady looks like she's just from today, like the way they have her kind of like her face, and she's all dressed up. And she's like, do you know uh, this lady? I think it is a model or something. Uh, her name is, I wrote it down, Bella Hedid. And uh, I was like, I don't know her. Andrea made me a side-by-side. I'll put it out on the Instagram later. Okay. Uh, they do look pretty similar. Very, like, it's something about, like, the eyebrows and eyes in certain poses. And I was like, yeah, I guess. So she uh, she called that one pretty good. I was like, nice. She does this a few times. Uh, her most ruthless one was comparing uh, Jessica Chastain to Jared Leto's Joker. I have a side by side there. It's it's kind of mean, but if anyone wants it, you can email us at uh, the Criterion Creeps at gmail.com and I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, what was I talking about? Yeah, so I, I kind of I'm on board with these guys. Uh, I really like the way Preston Sturgis. Uh, films his screwball comedy things uh, like this 
sharp, quippy dialogue, uh, which is something it's like I was saying, I'm kind of 50 50 with these, whether I'm going to like them or not. And I, I did like this one. Uh, there's a scene where he's talking to the other um, movie producers and he drops a, now I'm just like a small time. I might just be a small time employee movie producer in this big lot. And it's stuff like that. But then there's the real fast back and forth. And I like that. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, there's a lot of good one-liners in this. Uh, where There's the one where the guy... I can't remember what they're talking about, but he's like, ask him how his daughter is on the phone. And I thought that was really funny. Um, just because it's like an old pervert joke. And I was like, oh yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, the dialogue is pretty funny. I like some of, I like some of the other like just kind of physical bits. I think those are good. Uh, I actually thought the music segment uh, segments at the end were good mm-hmm. when they're living those ho- hobo montage life and uh, you just see it's like oh shit but they're actually kind of getting taken care of and i was like oh man i guess they kind of treated homeless people a little bit better back then gave them a shower gave them some food and stuff but then you see them in like a huge room with like 400 people just piling on top of each other and you're like oh yeah i guess i guess there's still that uh, so I like the montage thing as well. Uh, this movie does have a, a few weird, like, weird changes in tone <laughs> between, like, the comedy stuff to the chain gain, which you're like, oh, oh, dear. I, I don't think it's like, it's not, like, too much because you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I think he'll get out of this. It's okay. But uh, it does have moments where you're just like, oh, shit. Uh, especially, like... Um, before that when the hobo gets run over by the train yeah. i was like oh fuck i was like they're killing hobos in this movie yeah it's too bad that Shit's like le- it's too bad left and right don't exist in this world <laughs> otherwise that hobo would still be alive well jared it was because the he was at the point of the train where it could go left or right and he didn't know which way it was going to go with the tracks. Well, That's what the confusion was about. He wasn't sure which way it was going to go, so he just decided to stand still. He could have just or, or run straight with it directly behind him. You can't train. You could get out of You're the way. You crazy person. Get out of the way. Uh, anyways. Stupid hobo. Uh, That's why he's a hobo. Because he has to steal people's shoes. Yeah, and, and doesn't st- know where to go. Jump, jump them, knock them out, drag them onto a train, take their money. Mm-hmm. Fuck that guy. Yeah, well, he got his. Fuck that. Fuck the uh, poor RJ. Ooh, I learned that from he, you. Yeah, he said it. You heard it here first. Jared Duncan approves. Yeah. Um, and then the only other weird tonal thing is at the end, there's that like laugh sequence, and it's really weird. Like everybody's laughing, and then they start uh like imposing other people laughing throughout the movie on top of that laughing, and there the visuals come in, and it's other people laughing. It's really off putting. I didn't like it at all. I was, I was watching, and I just I didn't know why it was there. It's like this is weird and upsetting. Do, but hey, uh, is hey speaking of laughter, is Pluto what? is Pluto that funny? No, but do, do you think Pluto was that funny in like 1940, 41 well, when they would clearly it seemed well. See, that's the point. Like he watches it and he's like, "This isn't funny," but then he starts laughing because he's been through so much shit. That he just needs a chuckle. Am I laughing? A chuckle hut. Yeah, he's got to ask if he's laughing. So uh, I like Sullivan's Travel. Uh, I don't think it is a ace 
flick. I I do think it's got some cool stuff in it. The only other no- I have a few other notes. Uh, this movie starts off with some heavy digs at Pittsburgh, yeah. which I felt were like really uncalled for. Not not that I've ever been to Pittsburgh, but I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit, these Hollywood folks really hate Pittsburgh. Uh, you have the this dude has call waiting in 1941, and I thought that was pretty balling. Uh, what else we got here? Uh, oh, uh, the Preston Sturgis thing with the changing paintings, which is uh, or the the pictures. That's a gag that uh, I like quite a bit. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, someone says deep dish movie in this oh, in this movie, and I thought that was really like I I I don't know. I wrote it down. It must have left a mark on me. Um, and the only other thing I had to talk about was these guys are drinking coffee in this movie and there's a scene where it's like when he first meets the lady they're drinking coffee and they leave the spoons in their mugs and i thought that was what are you doing over there i was flipping my book why do could you hear that (laughs) yeah it sounds like you're moving (laughs) no i was just flipping my book okay anyways these guys drink coffee with the spoons left in their mugs and i thought that was a really weird like it really stood out with me i was like that's such a weird thing you never see people leave spoons in their like in their coffee mug i wonder why they did that mm. i wonder why they did that jared why did they leave their spoons in their coffee did, mugs? did they actually drink they were drinking out of it hmm. oh yeah go to the scene when uh, he first meets veronica lake at the diner and she buys him a coffee they both drink out of their coffee mugs and they both leave their silver spoon in the coffee mug stomp is it is that weird i don't know i'm just my point Jarrett, is that it was distracting because i was right. like why did they leave their spoons in their coffee mugs you never see this um yeah i don't know it seems like it just make drinking coffee a lot harder well that's what i'm saying I don't know. Maybe maybe someone else has input. If you're listening to the show, let us know. Yeah. Do you, you leave your spoon in your coffee mug? Are you weird? Are you weird? Oh, there's a it's sc- a weird I'm, thing. I'm looking. It? I'm looking at it. I'm looking at a screen cap right now of her drinking coffee with it's a, a spoon? spoon in it. That's a pretty big mug, and it looks like she has to like, keep her thumb on on the spoon to control it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Maybe they didn't. A- did they have saucers? Who gives a shit? You know what? I never have a saucer, and I always just put my spoon right on the table. Well, maybe there was a bit more respect. They didn't want the, uh, the you know the, what you the, do the moisture to go into that wood. You put a napkin down, maybe a they, serviette. Hey, napkins are expensive. I guess this was during war wartime. Yeah. I mean, coffee cost a dime. Can you imagine what a napkin cost? I don't know. Oh, there's a really funny uh, sign in that diner, or I think it's the next diner uh, where they say. Uh, it says pork ham or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, get your pig ham here. I just thought it was funny that they had to classify that it was like pig ham. Yeah. Is there other kinds of ham? Uh, not that I'm aware of, but I'm sure there's like possum ham or something like that. Something horrible. Mm. Hor- horrible. Well, if you don't have any ideas for the uh, banner for this episode, you could do that pig ham sign. Hmm. Go... Or, you know, whatever you want. Or whatever. Or I'll, the spoon I'll, I'll in the just, coffee I'll mug, just, whatever. I'll just ignore your suggestions like I usually do. As as normal, as normal. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, I thought Sullivan's Travels was pretty good. I don't know. I don't have a ton more to say. It's not Lady Eve, but uh, I liked it a lot more than my man Godfrey. <laughs> it's 
go. That piece of shit. And oh, come on. You and your digs. You and your cheap digs. Whatever. Whatever, man. I'm the only one who tells it like it is. And and everyone else out there is just mad at me because I'm telling the honest truth. That my man Godfrey, that 400 blows, all those movies. You got to assemble your hit list. Well, yeah, I got a hit list, you buddy. Carry, you just carry around all this hate in your heart. I mean, my shit list of to, movies. To, to what end? To what end? You know what? I just, I wish there was someone when I was growing up. I wish there was someone out there who told it like it was too. Look so that your, when I watched one of these movies and I was like, I don't get it, but everyone likes it. Look in your heart. There's no heart left, man. Uh, yeah. So as far as chain gangs go, where this movie yeah. winds up going, uh, chain gangs rj um yeah. yeah if i would recommend people check out uh i was a fugitive from a chain gang because mm-hmm. i think that movie is awesome and i think it gets more to the the horrible injustice and like just a messed upness of like the south and its chain gangs back in the 30s that this movie obviously was also touching upon too uh mm-hmm. the lack of appeals the abuse the uh, basically slavery uh going about because you're a prisoner and it's like yeah they don't care if you improve as a person they're just going to use you as cheap labor uh so that's always like one that just like oh whenever i see it in that and that uh this cool hand luke all those types of movies or oh brother or art thou uh which i'll mention so uh the movie that old john sullivan's trying to research uh and make his his big capra-esque uh uh ode to human humanity um Mm -hmm. the the coen brothers wound up making kind of uh in 2000 when they made the movie where brother where art thou uh which i guess just i mean it gets its title from this movie that never gets made in sullivan's travels uh mm-hmm. and rg i'm assuming at this point in your life you've watched oh brother where art thou what do you think i'm a chump well i mean i don't know you could you are but yeah but not that big of a chump okay so you've seen this movie i've seen some oh brother it's got my man John Goodman in it. It's America's true. sweetheart. Yep, when he was quite blimpy. Uh, of course, I've seen be, that before shit. the thinning. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. I, I watched this movie for the first time in quite a while. Uh, I'd seen this thing in theater. Uh, I I love the Coen Brothers. I think this movie's like good, but I don't like it's not mm-hmm. like it's not in the top tier of Coens. Um, but watching it again, it still holds up. Like it's it's pretty well made. Uh, it's got so mm-hmm. many great actors, great moments. There's like coming upon scenes. Uh, I'm like, oh yeah, it's this shot. And sure enough, John Turturro is like just knows how to work that camera to the best of his abilities. Uh, mm-hmm. George Clooney is pretty charming in this and has great re- repetitive Coen Brothers dialogue given to him. Like we're in a tight spot. Um, God damn, we in a tight spot. My, my, I really like uh, Old Brother Where Art Thou. Like, I think that movie is very good. Yeah, no, it's like, I don't know. It's story-wise, it's kind of like not much there. Um, this movie's legacy is t- two things. Uh, it kind of like began the popularization of digital color grading, uh, mm-hmm. where like every movie from 2000 on started looking like, it's like, oh, who cares what it looks like now? We'll fix that in post. This movie mm-hmm. kind of kicked it off, but this movie was done very lovingly and like looks like quite striking still. Even just like watching my DVD of it, it looks good. I can only imagine what it does in HD. But then you wind up with like the the Marvel movies where the color black doesn't exist. It's just mm. it's just gray. 
there's no blacks or dramatic lights in those movies. They're just gray. There's, mm-hmm. there's a good video on YouTube about it. Um, so, and then the other aspect though, is like kind of the, the weird, uh, so, like revitalization of like bluegrass music as a result of Oh Brother Art Thou soundtrack mm-hmm. where suddenly everyone's like, Oh man, I'm yeah. really into the sound. <laughs> and I'm like, why? Oh man, it's like that song from the Soggy Bottom Boys. <laughs> and it's like, it was, Soggy Bottom Boys? Yeah. And then everyone started like, Oh man, I love that music. I've always have. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Uh, hey Jared, I might tell you something that may shock you. What? I think this is, uh, for the Coen brothers, this is my number four spot. Old Brother Where Art Thou. What? I want, I, I'll let you fill that up with what you think it is. But I actually really like Old Brother Where Art Thou. It came out uh, right, ar- right at the right time for me. You know? It was right at the right time, man. I thought this shit was really good. I haven't watched it in many years, though. So, I don't know. I don't want to revisit it and ruin it for me. What's your... Well, I'm sure you'd still like it the same. I don't think the movie's changed that much yep. for a viewer. Uh, what, what's your... Uh, what, what are your... This has nothing to do with uh, Solomon's travels, but we yeah. but none of us have seen enough Preston Sturgis. But what are your uh, what are your top five uh, Coens? Top five? Yeah. Can I give them to you in no order other than uh, Oh Brother? Sure. Is that four? Yeah. What are your top three? Uh, no Country, Big Lebowski, and it's hard to say between Fargo and Raising Arizona. Oh, Fargo. I know, but I actually like Raising Arizona quite a bit too. So I mean, that's because it's got Nicolas Cage and Jonathan Goodman. Fucking right, it's Jonathan does. Goodman. John Goodman. Hey man, the Connors. Ooh. The Connors is coming. I heard Sans Roseanne. Yep. Man, we're way off topic. Today. Way off topic. This is a preamble talk here. Yeah, dangerous territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got anything more to say about uh, that uh, old brother where art thou? Um, no. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm digging these Preston Sturgises. I'm looking forward to yeah, when we get to yeah. Palm Beach story, which I think is quite a ways away. Um, but we'll get mm-hmm. there one day. And if not, we'll just wa- wind up watching the movie anyway because it's pretty good. Or we'll get there. Buddy, what's my number? Is Palm Beach story? Let's take a gander. I don't know, like 800, 742. Jeez, so we're not gonna get there. 600 weeks or so from now. When do you think you're gonna tap out and call her quits on this show? <laughs> I um, know when I will, but I mean, when when do you yeah. think you're going to? Uh, we'll let we'll, let, we'll leave that in the hands of God, like for, any for good he, God for, for he is great. He's great, and he is bountiful, Jarrett, much like our podcast. Yep, exactly. And you can buy ad time right here. That's where I would have dropped in a hot ad if anyone, uh, if we had any sponsors. Well, RJ, <laughs> Why? Some, pe- some people hate this movie. Yeah, I could bet. Uh, some comments here. One from uh, Matt Brosie, I think the lowest rating of the movie on Letterboxd. One and a half star. Boring and lost my attention. No, this movie's not boring. No. Yeah, it's not. It really okay, isn't. I'm, I'm a little behind. I forgot to go to the uh, reviews oh, to... Catch up, buddy. I'm catching up. Shaw Wujing gave this... Excuse me? Shaw Wujing gave this yeah. two stars. About as good as it gets for 1940s American cinema, but still leaves something to be desired. The best thing about the whole film was the black preacher's voice near the end. 
Okay, I have something to say about that lady, uh, this person after. Uh, I want to go back to Matt Brosey. Yeah. Uh, I know why this guy hates uh, Sullivan's Travels. As I mentioned, Sullivan's Travels has heavy digs at Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. You know where this guy's from? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, baby. Whoa. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His four favorite films, uh, two Chris Nolan movies, The Revenant and La La Land. Ooh. Ooh, baby. This Zha Wu Jing uh has seven sam pulp fiction spirited away and the empire strikes back they all this crazy bastard also just gave sweet smell success two stars oh so uh this person's all oh they gave quite on five stars oh what a joke (laughs) what a joke sebastian butt (laughs) that's nice i like that two stars a very confused picture, because you know when you say that, you're, you're a cut above the rest. A very confused right. picture about what exactly it wants to say about poverty in America. Ultimately, the only thing it can make up its mind on is that making people laugh is good, good, which doesn't say much of anything at all. Uh, this guy has some interesting opinions. Uh, one of his favorite movies is Martin, the Blood Lover. From hmm. Mr. George Romero. Yeah. Uh, and also one of your favorite movies, Unforgiven. What the hell? What the hell? Uh, and sea bass? They look, yeah, they, would look, they look like they would be in line with our uh, particular um, tastes. Ooh, this person gave Hereditary two and a half stars. Ooh. And uh, Shape of Water, a half a star. Whoa. This person's all over the board, my man. Damn, wild card. Yeah, the hereditary review's too long for me to read. Yeah. So, uh, but funny. anyways, okay. Sebastian Butt, that's a sweet name. Yeah, I figured. I thought you might like that. Uh, well, that's it. This movie's good. Yeah, it is. <laughs> After the break, uh, I'm going to cave RJ's head in, dump him on a train, but I'm going to go left, and I'm not going to be run over, and I'm not a hobo, so life's looking pretty good for me. Better men have tried, you chump. Enjoy jail, you son of a bitch. There was a time when lonely men would wander Through this land rolling aimlessly along I've heard of their sad story Written in the words of dead men's song Down through the years Many men have yearned for freedom Some found it only on What were we talking about? Um... Well, RJ, uh, do you feel any different about the plight of the common man after watching Sullivan's Travels? No, I think people complain too much. Yeah, they should shut up more. Shut up. As Ralph Klein, a former premier, premier, premier of Alberta would say, get back to work, you bums. Shoot, shovel, shut up. Yeah, go get a job, you, ho- you bum. Yeah. I think he did tell that to all the unemployed in Alberta. And you know what? It fucking worked, bro. <laughs> It worked. Yep, it all worked, and there's no opiate crisis at all. 
Hey, that didn't happen under Big Ralph's watch. Mm-hmm. He gave every Alberta citizen that sweet four hundred and fifty dollar uh, rebate. Man, this is some real, uh, real, real politic that is irrelevant to every single listener of this podcast. Every, at least two of the listeners, you Australian guys out there, you might not know, but <laughs> I still don't think anyone listens to this. Yeah. Well, you can email us at criterioncrazygmail.com and tell us just how absolutely meaningless what we were just talking about really is. Uh, we got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared and he's Barnloaf. we got a Patreon page. Hmm? We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that jazz. Next week, RJ, it's mm. double header time. No, come on. I know, it's been a while. We just did. We, no, uh, that fucking Jacques Tati week was like two weeks ago. That was a little longer than that, but ugh. No, it wasn't. Hey, let's get, enth- let's get enthusiastic. Spines, Why? 119 and 120. Bruce Robinson's With Nail and I from 1986. And how to get ahead in advertising from 1988. They're British. They're comedies. I am so excited to hear RJ talk about with Neil and I because I really don't know how it's going to go. This is uh, this is, is uh, this is going to be something. That's all I. That's all I'm going to say. Is this an actual? You're you're actually interested on in, uh, what I have to say I, for this one? Because I, I have no idea how it's going to play. I, I have no clue what either of those two movies are. I've never heard of them. I've seen With Nail and I a few times, and I've never watched How to Get Ahead in Advertising. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. I don't want to do the podcast anymore. Great. Well, good night, folks. We'll, um, we'll talk at you next week. Maybe, if I'm still here. Bye.